new people in the building. And by the way, uh, if you're new in the building, if it's your first time, if it's your second time and you thought last week was crazy, it's because it was. Um, this will be maybe a little bit more of a normal representation of what happens on a Sunday morning. Lumberjack Sunday is just crazy. But we ate good. We ran around, uh, had a lot of fun. So uh, maybe it'll normalize a little bit. But uh, seriously, this guest card here that's on your seat or as Nick did you see anybody do that? Just like, was it in a, dis- where is Nick? Was it like in a disgusted fashion? Like, I don't want no guest card. Or was it like polite? Or did you guys, I didn't see anybody do that. But um, however you view this, uh, if you would uh, fill it out. If you're new with us, seriously, this helps us. Here's what it lets us do. It lets us take this information and contact you. Here's why we want to contact you. Not because we get to check the box. But because uh, you're new here, and because you're new here, we want to introduce you to the church, introduce you to ways to get plugged in uh, for two reasons. Because it is best for you, as part of a local body of Christ, it is best for you to be known by us and by one another and be involved in some sort of small, smaller community. If this is it, uh, then I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to challenge you. I think if this is the only thing you do in church, I know it's Sunday school. This is a little bit larger uh, venue. Uh, and there's a lot more that you could get out of being in a small group because you're going to have conversation. People are going to know you. You're going to know them. You're going to have opportunity to ask questions. You're going to have opportunity to discuss the things that we're learning. So we're gonna, we want to connect you in the best way uh, that we can to a small group. So that's number one. Number two, we want to contact you because uh, if you're part of this uh, local fellowship, this local body of Christ, then what that means is that there's an opportunity for you to use the giftings that God has given you in this context, in your local context. And we want to see what that is. We want to see the ways that God has gifted you. The only way we can do that is by getting to know you and, uh, and getting to know your passions, your spiritual gifts, those things, um, so that we can get you involved. So this is not just a guest card, even though it says guest card, this is a way for us to connect you. Please fill that out. If you have not filled one out, please fill it out and you can just leave it in your seat. So that's number one. Number two, um, if you, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you know that we have seen some uh, incredibly tumultuous events uh, in the Houston and surrounding uh, areas. And I certainly understand that in a room full of college students two and a half hours north of, uh, of Houston, and for some of you it's even shorter. I mean, some of the affected areas are, you know, just an hour and 45 minutes away from us. Uh, then that's, that many of you have been impacted by that. You can't talk to somebody in East Texas without somebody very directly knowing somebody that's been um, impacted by that. I want to tell you just a few things um, that, that are happening here that I, I think are going to be important for you. Number, uh, number one um, is that uh, we 100% believe in the power of uh, God's children coming before the Father uh, in the voice of prayer. Uh, being able to to speak with God, uh, that he's given us that direct access to speak with him. And prayer is one of those main ways that we can do that. I want you to know that in this, in this time that your church is praying um, and that we would encourage you to pray. Uh, it's not something we do just to check off our spiritual box. That prayer, there's power in it uh, individually and corporately. We believe in coming before God uh, with our cries. And uh, one of the, I think the clearest places we see that is in the book of Exodus, right before God speaks to Moses in the, oh, sorry, when God is speaking to Moses in the, with the burning bush, what does he say? He says, I have heard the cries of my people and I'm coming, right? 
is God hearing us? Um, so we are praying. We want you to pray. Practically, a couple things are going on. In the next hour, Pat's going to talk about it a little bit. We're going to make some announcements. If your family or somebody that you know has been uh, directly impacted and you know of practical ways that we can help, in the, in the in guest, uh, yeah, guest Central, sorry, my words got messed up there. You're going to go right down this hallway. Um, as you're going to church, there's going to be a card, and it'll say uh, Harvey Relief. You, what you can do is you can let, we want to know about people that you know where you could tell us very specific needs that, they've, that people have been affected. Because what we're doing is we're gathering supplies and we're gathering finances to help. And our first layer of help is how are we helping those that are within our, within our body? So if you know somebody, now this is you writing it down, it's not any guarantee that we can help every single thing that gets listed, but we, we want to know about it. So we're gathering information right now. So if you, if you know somebody, you go, okay, here's some specific needs. We already have some of those identified. Then you can fill that out, okay? So you'll, you'll just find that, find that sheet, fill that out. Uh, so that's one thing. The second thing is um, if, if you want to know about any way that you can help. So if you're saying, okay, I want to bring supplies or I want to donate, all of that information is on the website. There's a lot. I would list it now, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. You can text to give. You can give online. You can give in the next service financially. And if, you, if you'll designate any gift as Harvey, what we're doing is we're helping people that we know first. And then after that, going to be giving to organizations like Samaritan's Purse and uh, people that are helping in general um, with the gospel and with practical efforts. So that's how finances are being distributed. We're also uh, taking... Uh, supplies in a trailer. We're, we're partnering with a lot of local churches to help take supplies. All that information is on the website. So if you're going, man, how do I help? Just, just go to the website. It's all detailed out right there. Last practical thing, okay? Um, tomorrow, I know you guys have school, but if you're like not really into that, maybe I'll skip tomorrow. Um, here's an option. <laughs> not recommending that. I'm just saying, if you're already going to skip, maybe here's an option. Um, just kidding. Don't skip class. I'm talk- I guess right now I'm talking to all the people that don't have class tomorrow, right, Angela? Like, if they don't have class, that's what. I've got some uh, professors in here that are not happy with me right now. So, um, anyway, uh, tomorrow um, we're taking a team to do some uh, demolition work, uh, and that'll be, uh, that'll be tomorrow. So there'll be a meeting after church. Pat's going to talk about all this in the next hour. There'll be a meeting after church in the studio, which is just right off of the worship center uh, if you're interested in that, um, then, then there will be a meeting there. And th- he'll also talk about further opportunities. There will be several teams that will be going from here. This is going to be a long deal, okay? We're gonna, we're, this isn't just go in one time. This is going to be a long, drawn-out process. Uh, there's a lot of recovery that needs to happen. And so we're going to be involved in that over the long term. So if you can't go tomorrow, like, I'm serious, don't skip class, okay? Don't skip class. Uh, if you can't go tomorrow, there's going to be plenty of opportunity. But if you only have Tuesday, Thursday classes and you're sitting on your hands tomorrow, don't sit on your hands. Use them um, and come with us. Um, so that'll be, uh, that'll be on, uh, on Monday, uh, which is tomorrow. So is that cool? Um, so that's kind of a lot of announcement stuff. Um, but this week, uh, I'm going to start in our, uh, in our series that I think is going to take us most of the fall. Okay, so if you've been around here, uh, you know that double pretty much any projection that I give for amount of time that it's going to take for us to finish a series. So, and I thought maybe this would be like half the semester. So now I'm being realistic and thinking we're just going to, the whole semester, we're just going to see what happens. This is going to take us the whole semester. As I've studied more and more and more, I just feel like this is a huge topic um, that we're going to be getting into. And um, today, so I'm going to just tell you first 
today is a day where there will be more questions than answers. Okay? I need you to hear me with that. Because you're going to get upset. He didn't tell us anything. He just asked a lot of questions. I know that. That's the point, right? We're going to take our time in this topic. I am not going to try and rush through this topic. We're going to take our time here. And so today what I'm going to try to do, and I need to encourage you, do not get frustrated. Because I'm going to present a lot of questions. And I'm going to present some problems. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Now, it's going to take us that whole time to do that. Uh, So if you leave here and you go, man, if that's like representative of teaching, that all we do is talk about questions and problems, there's no answers, this is a pretty depressing place, please don't do that, okay? We're just going to try to chart the reason why, what are the main questions we're going to answer. Anybody ever written a paper before? This is called a, this is a thesis, okay? A thesis statement, y'all ever heard that before? Oh, man. Okay, so you better, you better know what that means, people. If you're writing a paper, it's, those, it's that last like sentence or two that says what you're doing. It gives the, the statement for what you're going to be covering in the rest of your paper. This is our like thesis day, okay? So there's going to be a lot of questions. The rest of the essay will deal with the answers to the questions and some of the solutions to the problems. Everybody nod. I spent a lot of time on this because some of y'all do. Y'all like, oh, he didn't do anything. Okay, I'm going to get there, okay? So here we go. Uh, and, and, and forgive me, this is more of an introductory thing, but um, I, I feel like I really need to lay this out. So here's the story. Um, over the last uh, several years, this has been a process in my life that has been um, years long. And I don't know that I could articulate it the whole entire time, but looking back, you can kind of see phases of the way that God grows. You ever done that? Just like look back over the last, think about it. Just look, look right now and just kind of picture the last five years, what has gone done in my life? You could probably talk about it a lot better than you could when you were in it, right? You, so so I'm, I'm explaining this. This has taken uh, several years, but uh, over years, I've become convinced that we are missing something vital in our Christian faith. Um, and a lot of my convincing has come from my own journey, my own struggle of is the, kind of this uh, nagging question, is this it, right? Is this, is this all that there is to this faith that I stepped into? Is this all that there is to this book? Is this all there is to knowing God? Kind of that kind of was the nagging question that I don't even know that I could tell you when it started, but, but God has been in that process uh, over, over years of my life. And, and really the question, is this, is this all, has pushed me to the scriptures, in a relationship with God, in discussing with others, uh, what is the intent? What is the purpose of the Christian life? What, what, what is God doing? All these, these are massive questions. There are exceptions to everything I'm about to list, meaning this is not the rule for everybody. But here's what I've observed, which has been part of the nagging, okay? I've seen in, the, in church especially in the West, that's my perspective. I'm I'm preaching from that perspective. Again, this is not necessarily worldwide. But I've seen an absolute lack of change in my own life and in the lives of professing Christians who say the name of Jesus, who profess to follow Christ, yet in their life there is absolutely no visible, tangible difference to the way that they're living, okay? And I don't just mean they're still doing bad things. 
I mean, where there was a lack of hope before, there is a continued lack of hope. Where there's a lack of, uh, of ability to minister to somebody else uh, and, and to bring any kind of hope or freedom or deliverance in somebody else's life, there's still a lack of, of ability to do that. that. That coming to Christ has made no visible, tangible difference. Professing the name of Jesus has made no difference. There's been this absolute lack of change. Listen to me. I've seen it in my own life. It's where it kind of was like, what's wrong? There was, was, for me, a lot of it was in sin. There was this massive struggle in sin. And being a Christian didn't make a difference for me. Right? That's problematic. So I've seen that. I've certainly seen a lack of power. Have you ever read this book? Seriously, have have you ever read what happens after the resurrection? You ever read the stories? Have you ever read what Jesus is actually doing? Not like in fairy tale mode, but like this is a this is a real story. This really happened. That blind people's eyes got opened. That people that were have, have been like defrauding their own people, stealing from their own people, meet Jesus and all of a sudden start giving things away. Hey, Zacchaeus, right? There's unbelievable power in here. And I look around, and I look here, and I go, where is it? Right? These are all things that have caused this, what's wrong in my heart, okay, over the last several years. Dude, here's another one that has been so troubling to me. Consumerism in churches is out of control. We feel this on the pastoral side of things. I, I just even remember like a planning meeting a year ago in 24-7. And we were just talking about like uh, our social media. You, y'all, did y'all get to go to 24-7? Isn't that a cool deal, right? So we, got, we were talking about our social media and we were, uh, we were helping one of our students write a post. And the adjectives that we tried to use to describe what was going to happen was like, if you want to be at the coolest, life-changing, gnarly, whatever, like hip, cool words that were, and I don't know them, right? But we were really struggling. Whatever words that were, we were trying to use it. Why? Because we need, we're trying to get you to come. Right? Why? Because we've begun to believe that we're a product that to be consumed. And your customers and clients, and we've got to have the coolest product in the city, and the way we do that is we describe it, because if we don't describe it cool enough, you won't come consume it. You see, it's a problem. Y'all with me? Consumerism in churches is absolutely out of control. The mindset of, the, of, of a person in the congregation is, has little or nothing to do with the mindset of the early church. It's what is best for me. Right? Y'all felt it? I felt it. I do it. Oh, y'all didn't play my song. Didn't preach my passage. Certainly not the fashion that I would have had you preach it in. Right? It's consumerism to the nth degree. Like, we can't even see straight. We're so consumer-driven in churches. This is a problem. Here's the other thing I see that's, that's out of control. The church is selling itself uh, as, a, as, a, as a product. I'm sorry, as selling the gospel as a product to be consumed. A.W. Tozer said this a long time ago, but he talked about the salesmanship of the gospel. Like, we're peddling Jesus. 
Jesus is, because church is a, is a product to be consumed, and so is the gospel, and so is Jesus. I've got to come up with ways to convince you that Jesus is better than whatever you're, you're consuming right now, so you'll put down this product and take Jesus, right? And we call it, here's what's gross, we call it evangelism. Now, if I've gotten all over your toes, I'm sorry, but mine are hurting too, okay? Because all this I've seen in here, all right? And over the last few years, I've just been so disturbed by all of these things. And what's happened is, it's culminated for me in this question of, are we missing something? Because what we typically try to do is go fix all those things. Like, we try to fix those little things. Okay, we'll stop being a consumer, or stop peddling Jesus as a product, or stop doing this, right? And we try to fix those individual things. And what I think has happened is what, what this says and what is in our minds is totally, uh, they're not the same thing. And so we're trying to correct a broken uh, mindset, but we're, we're trying to use the materials given in the, in the broken mindset instead of using this. Y'all with me? And here's why I think that we like to do that. Because I think if we used this, a lot, of our, a lot of our models for thinking about church and Jesus would get busted and broken. And that's a fearful thing for us. So we'd rather just fix what's comfortable and stay in it than, than be exposed to something that could be radically different. Y'all with me? But we have got to be exposed to something radically different because what we're in is producing nothing. Now, listen, there are exceptions to every single one of those things that I said. I'm not saying that every single church is a consumer-run church. I'm not even saying that this one is. Right? I'm not saying that every believer has no display of power. You, they do, and you see them, and you notice them, which I think is why, my, I think it proves my rule. We notice the exception. Right? Y'all with me? You notice when you go into a church or when you're with a group of Christians and they're totally selfless and not consumer, you're like, hmm, this is different. It's supposed to be normal. Y'all with me? You notice that person that operates in just a different level of, of power, like somebody that when they talk to somebody actually brings hope. You're like, wow, that was refreshing. That was different. It was almost like God was speaking to me through them. That's supposed to be normal, Right? But we notice it because it's the exception. So, last spring, this is still intro. That's why I told you it's going to take a while. Last spring, I tackled what I have been churning in in my own life, like for trying to answer this question. I talked last spring for like six weeks about life in the spirit. Because I saw this lack over here. I went, okay, here's what we're missing. We're missing, what does it look like to live in resurrection life? Like, what does the practical life of the believer look like day in and day out? That's a huge deal. We're missing that. We don't know what it looks like to be sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven. We don't know what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't know what it looks like to make decisions as sons and daughters in the kingdom of heaven. We don't know what it looks like for the Spirit of God to transform us on the inside. We don't know what it looks like for, for the, the power of sin to be broken in our lives, right? We don't know what those things look like. And the key to that is the Holy Spirit and His work in us. So we just tried to tackle it last spring. It was called Life in the Spirit, and we went through like six weeks. And I think we did a really good job, right? I think we, I think we nailed that. But then 
this question. It's like, but I, the whole summer, I was telling Melina, like, I just, it's something, no, we're not done. <laughs> Something's off. And what I realized, and I think now I know why this happens in movies. Like, they put out the first one, and they're like, oh, man, we missed it. There's a story before that, <laughs> right? And then they put out, and it always drives me crazy. I'm like, why didn't you tell the first story first, right? Stop doing that second. Because then i got to remember the second movie while I'm watching the first, and I get confused. Right? Y'all try to, like, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to watch Star Wars. <laughs> Lindsay and I sit down, and we, like, we're starting, one of the new ones is like, whoa, I don't, who, they all wear masks and throw fiery things. I don't know. I don't know how to keep up with it. But I see why it happens, because like, as I'm going, okay, life in the spirit, like that was huge. And, and listen, let me tell you, this is not just like promoting our website. Seriously, um, I think it would be helpful for you to listen to that along with this. Um, but they go together. Life in the spirit, what I did is I talked about resurrection life. What, do, what happens as a result of Christ being raised from the dead and gives us the Holy Spirit? And how is that supposed to work? That's what we went after uh, last Spring, so that's all great stuff. Here's the deal. Here's what I I, I, I kind of came back to, and and what we're going to be in for the next however long. What happens before resurrection? This is for you. What happens before resurrection? Any thoughts? Okay, I'm going to make it easier. Sometimes, look, I I know this is a problem that I have. Sometimes I ask questions that don't make sense. So I'm totally open to any time if you want to just raise your hand and go, hey, the question didn't make sense. I get that I do that and that's okay. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like in core group, I'm asking these questions to these guys and they're just like, <laughs> okay, I'll try again. <laughs> okay. What happened to Jesus before he was raised from the dead? Yeah. Where? Look at me. I love you. I'm not trying to trick you. <laughs> yeah. He died on the cross. Here's, here's what I, I, God thumped me over the head with this summer and in and just kind of preparing for what we're going to look at. We talked a ton about resurrection. But we didn't talk a ton about the cross. And if we don't know why the cross, then resurrection and the life that we've been given, though all those things are true, it's the sequel. It's the thing that happened next because of the cross. And if we don't have the cross right, then we're going to put life in the spirit against a backdrop that's, that's skewed. Y'all with me? Let me try to explain it this way. The cross gives us the setting for resurrection. Y'all with me? And the setting for the cross and the setting for the resurrection, they have to be the same. And if we have skewed the reason for the cross, the context in which the cross took place, why did God die? Right? Why was that the way that it had to go? 
Why did Jesus have to come in the flesh and then be crucified, the Son of God? Why did it have to be in that way at that time? What is the setting in which that took place so that we understand why what came next is what it is? Y'all with me? So I'm going to, I'm going to, you're going to be like, "Ah, it's like the Star Wars thing. I'm going to tell the first story. (laughs) Now here's the deal. Understand this. You can't tell them apart. Like you can't, I'm not separating cross and resurrection. I'm dealing with them. I'm talking about them separately. They go together. Okay. But if we misunderstand the cross, then even though we understand the effects of the cross in resurrection, if we've misunderstood the cross, we're going to have our setting wrong and it's not going to make a lot of sense. Okay. So I told you this was going to be a frustrating Sunday. Don't say I didn't tell you. All right. So before I go on, I want you to do something for me. If you can, if on your phone you want to just take this little note or write it down on a piece of paper, I'm going to ask you a question. And I'm not going to, listen, I'm not like that. I'm not going to call you out except for when I do. And I'm not going to embarrass you except for when I do. And so, uh, I'm just kidding, I won't do that. This is, I'm not going to like call on you and say, what is your answer? This is just you, okay? I want you to, because I'm going to ask a question at the end that will have to do with your, your answer. So this is... Your own little deal, okay? Listen to me. Be honest with what you're about to write. Don't try to be super Christian, okay? Some of y'all like get in here and you start using words that you've never even used outside of this building. <laughs> right? Like, don't play. Just your own words, okay? Here's the question. Why? Now, you have, let me just give, you have Twitter to answer it. So what's Twitter? Like a hundred and something? Is it characters or words? Okay, we're going to do characters. You have like 400. What's that? Like you have 60 words. Don't go more than 60 words, okay? That's a lot. Don't count. It's just be short. Why did Jesus die? I'm just going to give you a minute. Seriously, be brief. Like just your first off-the-cuff answer. Don't be super Christian. Why did Jesus die? Look, if you're in here and you don't even and you don't know... What have you heard? You don't have to be a Christian in here this morning to give us the answer. And what's up? If you're in here and you're not a Christian, way to go, brave person. We're glad that you're here. Why did Jesus die? Regis, you got it locked in. No, y'all too young. Most y'all born in the night. You don't know what Okay. I always thought that was so intense. Like, we got to push the button. You know, does it, you know what I'm talking about? Who wants to be a millionaire? Right? And it was like, uh, I don't, so lock you ready? Everybody give me a slap. You ready to lock it in? Okay. All right. Here we go. First Peter. 
I'm going to use that in just a minute, so keep it handy. First Peter, chapter 1. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to just take a real quick survey. This is not exhaustive, but a real quick survey of what New Testament writers say about the cross. Chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the what? What's the word? Sufferings of Christ and the... Come on. And the subsequent glory. When they predicted, the prophets searched at what time or what person that they're, they're, they're prophesying about the coming of Jesus and they're searching what time or what person this is. And, and, and the book of 1 Peter, he's saying that's what they were looking for, that they were predicting the sufferings of Christ and subsequent, what does subsequent mean? Comes after but because of. Y'all with me? Okay. Subsequent glories. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Hey, we're going to fly around, so it's on the screen if you need it. Or just take notes. All right, verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ Y'all with me? Crucified. We preach Christ, Messiah, crucified. Lost my place. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what do we see there? We preach Christ crucified, what? A stumbling block. To Jews and folly. What's folly? Like silliness. This is ridiculous. To Gentiles. Christ crucified. Stumbling block. Folly. Why? Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Go over just a couple of pages. In verse 16. Now this is, this is a piece of a, of a long... Uh, description, but he says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. So it's important that the resurrection happen. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ uh, we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits, notice that word, lock it in. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ uh, shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. And you're going, wait a minute, that's not the cro- about the cross, that's about the resurrection. What does it say about Christ in the resurrection? That he is the what? Starts with an F. First fruits. First of its kind. First yield of the crop. 
What did the crucifixion produce? Something new. You with me? Something new. The first time Christ was first, the first time came after the crucifixion. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. And all my reformed friends said, Woohoo! Okay, just reformed people laughed about that. That's a church joke. You want to know how to be awkward socially? Tell church jokes, okay? Sorry. Y'all smile? Okay, you're like, I don't understand his humor yet. (laughs) All right, look. Ephesians chapter 1, listen to verse 7, okay? In him we have redemption. Sorry, I keep losing my place. In him we have redemption through his blood. Can you see it? The forgiveness uh, of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Listen, verse 10. We don't talk about verse 10 very much. As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, I'll read that again. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Where was his blood shed? Okay, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. Okay, we all notice that. We like that. We're like, okay, that's, that's it. That's probably on my paper. The forgiveness of my sins. Okay, but listen, he goes on. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan, that that will and purpose for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, things on earth. Okay. So what I'm saying, you're going, okay, where's the thesis statement? Um. What I'm saying is that I think that we have the we have a partial picture of the setting in which the crucifixion took place. And in our Western culture, that setting has become super individualized. Okay? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna skip ahead just a little bit. But I want you to look at your card. I want you to read back over or your, your paper or whatever you just wrote, the answer to the question. Why did Jesus die was the question. How many of your answers, now don't raise your hand, but I just because I told you I wasn't going to embarrass you. And you shouldn't be embarrassed. How many of your answers had to do with a personal experience or gain? at the center of your answer. Think about it. How many of your answers had to do with a personal experience or personal gain was kind of the the heart of your answer? Something like my would be an indicator of personal. <laughs> What's that, a personal pronoun? No? You're like, yeah, okay, I got one thumbs up. It's like, not <laughs> just whatever to make him go on. Okay. So, That's how we articulate the cross. Why did Jesus die? For my sin. 
Why did Jesus die for me to go to heaven? If I were to push you on that, okay, why, okay, well, tell me more about that. Well, because I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We even quote scripture with it. Because I, me, my. Isn't there a country song about that? Toby Keith, number one on my, me, my, right? Just kidding. So here, I, I joke because I'm in danger of pushing you a little bit, and I want you to smile, okay? You're not wrong. All right, smile. You're not wrong. Jesus did die for your sin. Okay, don't go out of here panicked. I'm not going to let you do that. Jesus did die for, for you and heaven to be together. Okay? But here's the deal. That is a incredibly small, and it's not an insult. What I've discovered is that it's an incredibly small context for the viewing of the cross. I'm going to tell you that it's way, way bigger than that. That your experience of personal salvation is a part of a massive whole. And I believe that it's because we're missing the rest of the story that we don't experience the fullness of resurrection life and that we're missing a lot of these things that I just listed. If the whole story is Jesus died for you, I'm going to tell you I think you're missing it. And that feels weird to say because that's what we've heard in church all of our lives. And that's what we preach to others as part of the salesmanship tactic, right? Right? Okay. It's okay if you're a little uncomfortable. That's okay. All right? I'm going to push against, in this whole series, I'm going to push against some of maybe our traditional language about things. Here's the deal. Listen to me. It's not because I don't like those things. Right? Because I just told you they're right. There's just more to the story. All right? Y'all with me? There's more to the story. If all, we've got to tell a bigger story. We've got to understand in our own heart and our own life that there's a bigger story than just Jesus died for your sin. Because he did. But could you, if I pushed you, could you answer why? Why couldn't he just wipe your sin away? If it was just about your sin, why couldn't he wave the Jesus wand and just wipe your sin away? Why did God have to die and suffer on a Roman cross? Was something bigger going on than just your sin being forgiven? Was there something bigger going on than just you going to heaven when you die? I think so. But I think because we viewed the cross as my sin forgiven and going to heaven when I die, we've missed the life that's been given because of the cross and because of resurrection. We've missed it. We're living in the wrong context and we're trying to get other people on board with that. That's evangelism for us. Jesus died for your sin. Aren't you like, why are you not reacting with joy? Right? Listen, and this is again, not because that's wrong, but you're telling a small story. Something way bigger happened at the cross than just the opportunity for your sin to be forgiven. And I know that sounds weird to say because that's a huge deal, right? I'm not minimizing that. Like the forgiveness of my sin is not a small thing. That's a huge deal. I'm just telling you it's bigger. 
right? Okay, everybody breathe. Okay, that's what I'm saying. If you left now, because I'm done, if you left now, you'd be really frustrated. Please come back. <laughs> or at least listen. Like, I don't know if I can go in there again. Okay, well, just put your earbuds in. Like, listen to us on the, on the podcast. Don't leave frustrated. I'm just telling you, here's what I've learned. God, the cross is where God did something um, stunning that shifted the way the entire cosmos works. You understand to say that after the cross, this thing called resurrection began? (laughs) Something shifted right there when he died. Something stunning happened on that hill where that Jewish man died on a Roman torture device. Something big happened because the next thing that happened after was people came out of the grave. (laughs) Y'all with me? It's big. It's stunning. It's beautiful. It's love that we've not seen before. And I, that's, the, that's what I want us to go through these next weeks. Like, I just want us to tear it apart, to understand it. Not just here, but to us to see what happened on that hill. It's not just a story you see in your kid's picture book Bible. It is, it is real as real gets. And it's a huge thing that shifted the entire course of humanity. And I just think we're peddling it way too small. Experiencing it way too small. Y'all alright? I gotta stop or I'll go again. Alright? God, help us to understand this. And we know, look, we know that even to pray that is to acknowledge that we need the Holy Spirit to help us. Because we cannot understand, because what did we just hear? That it's foolishness and it's a stumbling block if we come with our wisdom and with our agenda. Let God just help us to lay our agenda for the cross down. Let it speak for itself. God, let let us just put our our preconceived notions about what it should be down. And why don't you tell us what you did there? Why don't you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, show us the enormity of what happened? I pray that we would be fearless in this search. I pray that we would not hold on to things of man in this search. I pray that we would be diligent to search the Scriptures for what this all means and for what you have done for us, with us on the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, listen, before you leave, and we're running a little late, so this is one of those moments I'm going to ask you to scoot along kind of quickly. But um, I want you to understand this. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to push you. It's okay to disagree with me. It's absolutely okay to disagree with me. And I want you to tell me when you disagree with me. Okay? I want to have a conversation. Give me the opportunity to have a personal. You hear that? Personal. And I do not. I'm old, so I do not define this as personal. Okay? A little bubble with letters in it and words on my text message is not personal. I want to sit down with you where I can hear your words and you can hear mine. That's a conversation. Let's have a conversation where you disagree. Here's what I'm always going to challenge you. You've got to come to me with reason here. It's okay if you have questions. But don't tell me I'm wrong just because that's what mom and daddy said. Okay? Tell me I'm wrong because you've taken the time to dig in 
Okay? Because you've taken the time to invest, to pray, to search the scriptures. And it's okay. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers. Let's have a conversation. Can you look at me and promise me a conversation? Not just walking out of here and going, man, that bastard, you know, he just, you know, just missed the cross and blah, 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 blah. Okay? I didn't do that. But let's have a conversation. Okay? Um, and, and here's the deal, too. Um, I would encourage you, never, ever, ever, even if you, look, I, I, I hope that you love me and trust me. Don't just take my word for it. Don't ever just take somebody's word for it. You get in here, okay? You get into this book. You dig in here and trust that the Holy Spirit will teach you and lead you. Ask questions. Be involved in community. That's the way that we learn. Don't just go, well, he must have said it, so that's good. I say whatever I want to up here, and you don't know, okay? You with me? I'm not saying I'm going to. I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth as best I can, okay? But don't just for my word for it. Get in here, all right? The truth is in here. And the Spirit of God is in you. Y'all with me? Smile. Okay, go to church. Bye. See you.